1: Hey, friends, some very exciting news. I've got a new book coming out. It comes out in March, but copies are available now or very soon. It's called From the Left, A Life in the Crossfire. And just like it sounds, it's my story. All about uh, growing up in a small town in Delaware, how I ended up on national television from that little start, which took me through the seminary, studying for the priesthood to California, working for Jerry Brown, doing TV in L.A., coming back to Washington for CNN for Crossfire and the Spin Room on MSNBC with Pat Buchanan. It's been a great run, a lot of fun, met a lot of great people, had a lot of interesting experiences. And I wanted to share it all with you, tell that story. And we do hear Bill Press from the left Copies available right now. You can order a signed copy if you go to our website, BillPressShow.com. With a 40% discount, the book will cost you only sixteen seventy nine. dollars 79 BillPressShow.com. And the first 100 of you who order uh, from the left will also get a free signed copy of one of my earlier six books. You know, to sum it all up, uh, the great Henry Miller once said, So whether the world is going to pieces or not... Whether you are on the side of the angels or the devil himself, take life for what it is. Have fun, spread joy, and confusion. I've tried to do that all of my life. This is the story of it. Bill Press from the left. Get your copy today. Go to BillPressShow.com.
2: Thing you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
1: Does John Kelly still have a job, and for how much longer? Hey, 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 what do you say, folks? How about it? Here we go on a Monday, Monday, February 12th. Uh, man, hope you had a great weekend. It was a cold, miserable, rainy weekend. In Washington, D.C., rained all day, both Saturday and Sunday, but uh, we still had a good time, still had a good weekend, hope you did too, wherever you happen to be, Uh, and uh, watch some uh, great Olympic coverage, Uh, just magnificent to see particularly the uh, figure skating, that ice skating competition, men and women, is just unbelievable. And uh, we got a lot. And meanwhile, there's lots to talk about here. Yeah, we had a shutdown over the weekend. Didn't last long. <laughs> That's the kind of shutdown we like. Uh, believe it or not, uh, another government uh, shutdown. But we're back to work. It didn't last very long. As I say, six hours, I think. Uh, the White House in absolute turmoil uh, over uh, the allegations with a lot of evidence against uh, Staff Secretary Rob Porter. And the way John Kelly and um, Don McGahn, the White House counsel, chief of staff Don Kelly, communications director Hope Hicks, and the president himself all bungled this thing. And, of course, Donald Trump says, well, he says he's innocent and he's a good man. you got to consider that the same thing he said about Roger Ailes and Bill O'Reilly and Roy Moore. Nothing has changed. we got lots to talk about today, lots to cover. And we'll do that with your help, of course, and your comments, as always, on Twitter, at BP Show. Hey, I haven't had a a tweet from Donald Trump this morning, so the uh, coast is clear uh, on Twitter, at BP Show. And again, we'll jump right into
3: it. But first... (laughs) This is the Full Court Press. All right, just a couple of other stories making news. We just mentioned the Olympics, so I am going to give you the updated medal count. How are we looking? Okay. Well, we, the United States, are tied for second place when it comes to gold medals. We have two gold medals, both of them, by the way, coming in the snowboard Freestyle competition, the snowboard slope style, it's called. Uh, Uh Jamie Anderson won for the women and Red Gerard won for the men. Also, we have one silver and one bronze. The silver, by the way, came yesterday in the Luge as Chris Mazder won the very first ever medal for the Americans in the Luge. The Luge is, by the way, one of the top five Winter Olympic sports to watch. Those mm-hmm. guys are flying, Un-
1: unbelievable.
3: Eighty-two yeah. miles per hour on just like uh, a uh, like uh, yeah a board. Yeah,
1: this is yeah. nuts. It is, and I mean, anything could go wrong, you know, and has. What's the bronze in? Do you know?
3: Uh, you know what? I don't know what the bronze is. I don't have that in front of me, but I know. But that, that snowboarder, me. that
1: seventeen-year-old snowboarder,
3: yeah, sensational. Yeah, no, it was crazy. What's and his name? Red Red Gerard, and apparently, yeah. so, I was reading a story about him. He. Forgot to set his alarm to wake up on the day that he raised, <laughs> And then the night before, he realized he had lost his coat, so he had to borrow his roommate's coat to go out and, sk- and snowboard. <laughs> so he's just like Spicoli from Fast Times at Richmond High. He just, you know, he just goes out there and does whatever he can do. By the way, today's a big day. The Trump administration will unveil its proposed budget. And one of the things that we have already learned is... It's kind of unbelievable to read. The White House will announce plans to stop funding the International Space Station after 2024 and turn it over mm-hmm. to privatization. We are going to privatize the International Space Station if Donald Trump gets his way. Uh, probably he wants the uh,
1: Trump uh, a, you know, Trump Company to take it over, right? The Trump
3: Space Station. They're going to make it.
1: Yeah, they're going to make it a luxury hotel. Oh God! There'll be a big T on top of it. Yeah, oh God! Entre. You mm-hmm. know, we had all yeah. this
3: great news with SpaceX and all that I know. stuff last yeah, week, right. and now here we are. Feels like one step. By the gone, way, two
1: uh, the president, the first lady, went out to dinner Saturday night. They were in Washington over the weekend. Guess where they went to dinner? The Trump Hotel. The BLT Steakhouse in the Trump Hotel. They yeah. have never gone anywhere else. Guess what he had for dinner? Well done steak. Blackened steak. Yeah, well done steak. A lot of ketchup.
3: Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Yep, the White House still trying to get its story straight on
1: Rob Porter. They all keep saying different things, different directions, pointing the finger in uh, at different people, and it is a bloody mess. Hey, what do you say, folks? Happy to see you today. Thank you for joining us. Yes, it's Monday, Monday, February twelfth. Here we go into a whole new week with lots of issues to talk about, and uh, we've got a great lineup of guests Uh, to uh, help us through the news of the day. Nobody more important than all of you, of course. And so we thank you for joining us, and we welcome you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Welcome you on Free Speech TV. You're looking good out there in TV land and in radio land as well. How about it? Hello, WCPT all over the Chicago area. Hello, Indiana Talks in the state of Indiana. Uh, and with our lineup today, John O'Grady is um, president of one of the local councils of the uh, AFGE, the American Federation of Government Employees. He's at EPA. He's going to tell us all about how bad it is at EPA and what's the danger that Scott Pruitt, uh, the, the administrator of EPA, poses for the environment. From the great Center for American Progress, Jochenia Weigand will be here to talk to us about how America's guns are now creating problems all over the guns manufactured here in the United States, creating problems all over the world. Uh, and our good friend Travis Waldron from Huffington Post will be here to take us through uh, the Olympics, uh, the good of it, and all the bad of it. But where do we start? i got to start. Well, the biggest announcement is, are you ready for this? Peter, do we have a drum roll? I don't know. Uh, do, do we, we never have had a drum roll, do we? I, I'm going to pull you, up our drum uh, roll oh, sound effect. All right, that's it. There it is. There we go. Because the White House has announced that this week is indeed infrastructure week. (laughs) It is. It is. It is. I kid you not. This is the third time (laughs) that they will attempt to roll out an infrastructure week. All over oh, it's again. gone
3: so well before. Right. Why not keep doing
1: it? Uh, every other time they said this is infrastructure week, <laughs> Donald Trump has said something stupid or done something stupid. And then it all blew up and we never ended up talking about infrastructure. But they insist that the third time is the charm. Uh, so get ready uh, for infrastructure. And, of course, we know uh, if 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 they get around to talking about it. Uh, that what which is unlikely. Which is unlikely. But, uh, or may, they may talk about it, but then there'll be no follow-up. We'll be on to something else within an hour. Um, what they're proposing is really nothing. It's really not not going to meet the challenge facing the United States of America in terms of our crumbling infrastructure. Because what Donald Trump is saying, well, we're going to put $200 billion in here. But no, no, no. It's going to be when we're finished. Because everybody else is going to join in and states are going to put a lot of money in and companies are going to put a lot of money in. And it's going to end up being one and a half trillion dollars in infrastructure. Um, uh, Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, Not necessarily going to be that much money spent on that many projects and certainly not on projects that our communities need If it goes that way, it'll be more likely projects that companies feel they can make a lot of money on, like toll roads, which is the last thing we need and which aren't even allowed in a lot of states. So, uh, number one, it is just it is laugh out loud funny that this is the fact, in fact, the third time that they've declared an infrastructure week. Uh, And and number two, it's really kind of what they're proposing is sort of laugh out loud funny. It is not what Donald Trump candidate Donald Trump promised uh, at all. Uh Bernie Sanders promised a trillion dollars in infrastructure. Bernie Sanders plan would be just that one trillion dollars of government money to build, rebuild our roads and and highways and bridges and tunnels and all that and all that we need. Uh maybe uh there um and by the way, we do have to mention too, as I uh, said at the very top, yeah, we did have a shutdown over the weekend. Can you believe it? But this is the kind of um this is a kind of shutdown that I like, okay? Uh, it was a, a February eight, you know, the, the deadline, and I know you talked about this with uh, Igor Volsky on Friday. And uh, thank you, Igor, for uh, doing such a great job filling in on Friday. Um, that Thursday night, uh, when I went to bed, bed, I could see. I've told you before, I can see the Capitol Dome from our bedroom. The light was on at the very top of the Capitol Dome, which means they're in session. So, of course, I knew from watching my phone that that they were up against a deadline. And the government was still open, but it would shut down at midnight. So I go to bed. I wake up. I check my phone right away. And the government is up and running. <laughs> so it was up and running when I went to bed. It shut down while I was in bed, while I was asleep. And it reopened before I get up in the morning. Now, that's the perfect shutdown, right? Not many people affected. If anybody was um people may may have planned to have taken Friday off they didn't even get Friday off it was a, a total 6 hour shutdown uh and and by the way Donald Trump then signed the bill now
3: i'm surprised he interrupted executive time
1: i am too cuz he signed it early in the morning yeah, during yeah, his yeah. executive time yep yeah, he had to uh, get out of bed and maybe walk away from fox and friends i uh, it's the horror what a what a sacrifice But the whole thing really is a joke. I mean, in in this sense, this is a guy, remember, Donald Trump, who, first of all, who said as candidate, I'm going to balance a budget. We're we're not just going to get rid of the deficit. We're going to get rid of the entire national debt. That's a promise he made as candidate. And then in the middle of last week or early last week, he said, remember, I want to shut the government down and I will. I want to shut down and I will shut the government down if I don't get funding for the wall. If the wall is not in that bill, I will not sign it. Uh, and I, I, rather than that, I want to shut the government down. Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer didn't pay any attention to him. Uh, they got their bill together, extending the, the government for, uh, for two years and adding um, $400 billion to the deficit. Um, most of it, more than half of that, like 60% of that, for the military and the rest for non-defense spending. It was another great big, huge, big spending bill on top of a trillion and a half added to the deficit by the tax cut bill in December. Now Republicans, who used to call themselves deficit hawks, who used to brag about this was a party of the Tea Party. This was a Tea Party, meaning we're going to cut government, we're going to slash government, slash spending, um, and balance the budget and the whole thing. The Tea Party is dead. It is now the Trump Party. These Republicans don't believe. Rand Paul, the reason the government shut down is because Rand Paul uh, just refused to go along with it. And single-handedly, he shut the government down. And Rand Paul made a very good point. He said, if we as a party, talking to Republicans, are against the deficits, deficit spending of Barack Obama. How can we be today for the deficit spending of Donald Trump? You can't answer that question without saying because you're hypocrites, right? No, I he was I, mean, I don't agree with Rand Paul on everything. I'm just saying he was absolutely right. These Republicans don't believe in anything and they just caved over and they passed this massive Big spending bill to keep the government going for two years, and then, number one hypocrite Donald Trump signed it, even though it does not have one
3: penny in it for the wall, not one penny for the wall. Donald Trump signed it anyway. By the way, I made that that same point that you just made on on Friday and got roundly ridiculed for it because I said that Rand Paul is, is right in in that sense. It, now Igor on, corre- on that point, he is. Igor corrected me, and pointed out that look. Rand Paul's argument is correct. However, Rand Paul also just voted for this terrible tax reform bill. Which... By the way, you were right and
1: Igor's right. Yes, exactly. No. No. Yes, exactly. Rand Paul's a, a hypocrite himself because he voted for the tax bill. And by the way, so is Bob Corker. Right. Who yes. prides himself on being Mr. Deficit Hawk. He's not. He's no longer. He may have been at one time. There aren't, there aren't any deficit hawks left among Republicans. Not if
3: you voted for that tax reform bill. No.
1: you voted for tax reform bill, you voted for the spending bill. You're a big spender, right? So, but at, at any rate, uh, with all of that, uh, the point is we did have a six we did have a six shutdown, and the Republican Party is going to have to uh, come up with a new message. They are no longer uh, the party of uh, smaller government uh, and uh, tight budgets or balanced budgets. Think, not at all.
3: Think about the time that they spent crafting that narrative. Oh, right. Well, for. Decades. Decades. I mean, since Ronald Reagan, that's yes. been their pitch. Yeah. And it's completely undone now. They threw it out the window. Completely undone. The next no. time the Republican goes on TV and says, look, the the Republican Party believes in having a balance. No, they don't. No. no. No, they don't.
1: No. No. Again, the Tea Party, the Republican Party that we knew is now the Donald Trump party. And they have, they have let it happen. But boy, all of that takes second place to what a mess. What a mess in the way pardon me, the White House has handled this Rob Porter uh, situation. So here he is, the staff secretary, uh, a very important post. Doesn't get a lot of headlines, does not You know, he was not a guy. He was always around Trump, but he's not one that you heard about, wasn't on the Sunday talk shows. But he was the last guy. He was always with Trump, and he was the last guy that handed him any document, no matter how top secret, whatever. He was the guy that handled it.
3: Well, it was like when I heard the name Rob Porter, I said, "I have no idea who that is." Right. And then when I saw his picture, I go, "Oh, I, all right, yeah, I just, guy, We know that, that guy. guy. Yeah. We know that guy." So
1: he's, and in that position, you have to have because of what you're handling, you have to have a top security clearance. And they st- so they started in January 2017, right? Right away, first thing the FBI is doing is trying is is interviewing and and finding out about the people who are right there in the White House. Uh, to give them their security clearance in January 2017, the White House discovered that Rob Porter, two of his ex his two ex wives both had accused him of domestic violence, and the so the FBI tells the White House Counsel Don McGahn, uh, "We got a trouble here. We got a lo- problem with Rob Porter. We may not be able to get him a security clearance." Um, Thirteen months later, he still has no security clearance, and he's still on the job until one of the ex-wives goes to the Daily Mail last week and shows them a picture. She, she's figuring, why, why, why hasn't anything happened to this guy? Why is, he, why is he still on this job? And she shows him a picture of, of her with a black eye. Uh, and then the you know proverbial you-know-what uh, hit the fan But the first response on the part of the White House was when this became public. Again, Don McGahn, chief White House counsel, hasn't done anything about this for 13 months. John Kelly, as chief of staff, knew when he came in, he came in in July, end of July. So he knew in August or he knew in November that there was a reason that Rob Porter didn't have his security clearance. And the reason was because he'd been accused of domestic violence. He did nothing. So then, when this whole thing blows up uh, in the Daily Mail, and it's going, to, and Rob Porter tells Kelly, "Hey, there's going to be a bad story about me, but none of it is true." What does Kelly say? "Good man, you got to stay in there, stay and fight." And that's last Tuesday, and he put out a statement saying, uh, "Kelly's uh, Porter's a great guy. We have full confidence in him." Wednesday morning, Kelly goes again and says. Um, what a great guy he is. You know, we're all behind him. And then the photo comes out, and then Kelly tells Porter, hey, you're going to—by Wednesday night, he tells Porter, you're going to have to go. And then Kelly turns around and tells the White House staff that they're supposed to tell everybody that he never heard about this until the very last minute. And within 40 minutes of hearing about it, he had fired Porter, which is a big, fat lie. He did not. Big,
3: it's remarkable knowing how often the White House leaks under any president, but especially under Donald yeah. Trump, that they thought that they could go back and cover this up, right? The, the yeah. cover-up is always yeah. worse than the crime, people say, you know? And so for him to try and cover this all up is not just irresponsible. It's just stupid.
1: Stupid. So, McGann looks bad. Kelly looks worse of all. I want to come back to Kelly in just a second. Who also looks bad? And here's Hope Hicks. Hope Hicks, right? Yeah, great taste in men. She was dating Corey Lewandowski. And now she's dating, dating Rob Porter. So this news is going to break. What does Hope Hicks do? Communications director of the White House. She writes a statement for John Kelly defending her boyfriend, and she's in the Oval Office with Donald Trump when Donald Trump is defending her boyfriend who's been accused of punching out his two ex-wives and, by the way, accused by another girlfriend, another ex-girlfriend. Of the of uh, of beating beating up on her, so I mean, ho picks? And then Donald Trump. Donald Trump looks a bit. What does Donald Trump do? Okay, here two women, three women come forward to accuse a man of. We're, we're talking. I mean, sexual assault plus. I mean, this is physical violence against these these three women, and what does Donald Trump do? The same thing he did with. Roy Moore, the same thing he did with Roger Ailes, the same thing he did with Bill O'Reilly, the same thing he did about himself. Yeah, he doesn't believe the women. He believes the men. And he says that, remember, remember, Rob Porter said he's innocent.
2: As you probably
1: know, he says he's innocent. And I think you have to remember that. He said very strongly yesterday that he's innocent. Oh, yeah. So it's like Donald Trump. He says he's innocent. Therefore, he's innocent right? Donald Trump says about those 20 women who have accused him of sexual assault, he says it didn't happen, therefore it didn't happen. That's Donald Trump's rule. And then he goes on to say, and we wish him well, we hope he has a, Donald Trump, we hope, here he is, uh, that uh, Rob Porter, we know he'll have a great career.
2: We absolutely wish him well. Did a very good job while he was at the White House.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopes he has a uh, a great career. Uh and then the next day you got that t- tweet. Yeah, I was just yeah. pulling up his tweet right. cuz he this tweeted one, about this. This is one where he now he says, "Come on. You know, there this is like Charlottesville. There are two sides to every one of these issues."
3: Right? Uh the president um, tweeted and by the way we I, I could you could tell this was a, a an actual Donald of, Trump yep. tweet because of the horrible misspelling and the capital weird capitalizations, but he says, "Quote people's lives are being shattered and destroyed by a mere allegation. Some are true, and some are false. Some are old, and some are new. Mm-hmm. There is no recovery for someone falsely accused. Life and career are gone. Is there no such thing any longer as due process? How
1: tone-deaf can you be, Donald Trump? Uh, a couple of points there. Number one, um, when you have Two ex-wives, an ex-girlfriend, an FBI probe, a police report, and actual photographs taken by the man himself. That's not just a mere allegation. Yeah. Uh, Right. I mean, we're we're, we're, we're over the line there. Number, Number seven, due process? Yeah. What about due process for all the women? Uh, who, uh, to this whole Me Too movement, these women who bravely have come forward uh, after being ignored or being afraid to come forward uh, for so long uh, uh, in the wake of the Harvey Weinstein uh, scandal. But what about the due, due process for the 20 women who have accused Donald Trump of sexual assault? The White House's position, Donald Trump's position, is it didn't happen. He's called them all liars. And they're fighting... against allowing any one of them to have any time in the courtroom, including the one case that is still open in New York court, where they're denying, trying to deny this woman, Summers Zervos or something like that, a former contestant on The Apprentice. They're trying to to deny her due process because they say, He's the president of the United States, and you cannot bring a lawsuit against the president of the United States. So he's denying them due process. The, the truth is, he did it with Bill O'Reilly. He did it with Roger Ailes. He's done it with Rob Porter. He's done it for himself. Donald Trump believes the men. He doesn't believe the women.
3: It, it's so dangerous. Because he's a sexual predator himself. True. Number one. True. It's so dangerous when you see the Trump machine kick into high gear and kick into action, right? Because— A lot of times they do it on things that we just fundamentally disagree on, like tax cuts, right, or the wall or whatever, right? And and those obviously have big uh, uh, implications, and we disagree with that strongly and and all of that. But when you get to something as (laughs) clear-cut as violence against women and the only thing you have to put out there is, is. well, he says he's innocent, so we got to hear both sides here. When there is photographic proof... Not that it needs that, but that we have that and that they're still fighting against it is not only reprehensible, but it's really dangerous.
1: No, It's stunning. You know what? I was on um, um, CNN Friday morning and I, I made this point. The thing why this is so serious, I mean, look, there have been a lot of screw ups with the Trump White House. This isn't This is in a league of its own. This is very, very serious because this is entirely self-inflicted. There is no notice. Donald Trump has not tried to blame this on Hillary. He hasn't tried to blame it on um, WikiLeaks. He hasn't tried to blame it on uh, Democratic senators. He hasn't tried to blame it on fake news. He can't. He knows it. This is all self-inflicted. This is contained within the White House. And as I say, they all nobody looks good. Don McGahn, White House cancel. Uh, counsel who sat on it for 13 months. Hope Hicks, rushing to defend her boyfriend. Donald Trump, you know, saying, well, I denied it, he can deny it, that's okay, he's a good guy, we wish him great, we wish him well, the whole thing. But especially Chief of Staff John Kelly, this is a guy that came in to clean up the mess, right? Kelly has just created more mess. And this is not the first time, I was stunned when I saw in the, in the New York Times Saturday morning, that back in 2016, not that long ago, just before he he became chief of staff, uh, so during the presidential campaign, there was a Marine colonel who was accused of sexually assaulting two women soldiers who worked under him. John Kelly appeared as a character witness at the court-martial trial of that Marine colonel to say he was a superb military officer. He was there testifying against the women for basically saying the same thing, women lied. This guy was a superb officer, and remember, this is a John Kelly who praised Robert E. Lee. Uh, we, he should be our role model. Uh, who said that the Civil War didn't have to happen if people would only have compromised on been only to compromise on slavery? This is the same John Kelly who lied about the speech that Congresswoman Frederica Wilson gave down in Florida. We saw the tape. She did not say what John Kelly said that she said. This is a John Kelly who said anybody who didn't apply uh, for the Dreamers was lazy, right? This is a John Kelly who went out and said that Donald Trump didn't know what he was talking about when it, when it came to the wall, uh, that there was not going to be any wall, and Mexico was never going to pay for it. And now this is a John Kelly who knew about Rob Porter and didn't do anything about it, at least for months. Maybe not as long as Don McGahn, but still for months. This is a guy who came in to – he's the adult in the room? Hardly. I mean, I – so there were rumors. By the way, that
3: happens a lot. You see a lot of reporters or people who follow this stuff say, like, oh, John Kelly is – he did a really great job when he spoke in the White House press briefing, right? Because he he has a certain – I don't know. Gravitas might be the right word. But, I mean, I think that he brings something, a little more credibility – than most of the other stooges in the White House bring, but you really look at him, and he doesn't. He doesn't at all. No, you know what
1: people get fooled by is the general's uniform. Hundred percent. That's it. They think because he's a general, you know, he can't do. He can do no wrong. But I think this proves that the general's uniform covers up a, a whole multitude of sins and incompetence when it comes to John Kelly. Uh, now, a lot of rumors that uh, that that the White House has, by the way, encouraged for a while. That Donald Trump was out there. He does this all the time. This is the way he dealt with Reince Priebus. You put out the word; that he's looking at other people, and so they're saying, "Well, maybe he might be considering um, Mick Mulvaney, the budget director, Kevin McCarthy, the number two guy in the uh, in the in the House." It was one other name that was thrown out there, uh, or even Kellyanne Conway. Uh, George Stephanopoulos asked her about that yesterday. i
2: told that you're on the short list, possible short list for chief of staff, that the president is very high on you. Would you accept if he asked? Well, that would be news to me. I spoke with the president last night about this very issue, and he wanted me to reemphasize to everyone, including this morning, that he has full confidence in his current chief of staff, General John Kelly, and that he is not actively searching for replacements.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you believe that? Uh, and,
2: uh, Hell no. I don't uh,
1: believe no, that. I don't believe it for all. Meanwhile, uh, uh Congressman uh, John Patrick Maloney, Sh- Sean Patrick Maloney, sorry, from, uh, upper New York State, uh, he, he, he said, no, no this, this, Kelly, Kelly's got to go. I mean, look, what a mess, of, what a mess he's made of things.
3: We thought Kelly was the guy who could manage the place, but if you're going to clean up aisle eight, you can't be throwing around jars of tomato sauce.
2: I mean, <laughs> you, you cannot make a bigger mess than you're cleaning up.
1: Right. <laughs> like that. Point. And that's true. Yeah, he was he was brought in to clean things up, but he's just made a a, a royal mess of things. Now, I, I, I think uh, uh, it's I think it's long past time that John Kelly be uh, be uh, shown the door as well. Uh, you you just can't say that all of them, all of them who screwed up so badly, should stay in the jobs that they've got. Uh, in this case. None of them served Donald Trump well. And, of course, he didn't serve himself well either. Uh, somebody else should get more attention. In fact, front page article of the Washington Post today about all the money that he's uh, wasting, uh, meanwhile dismantling all the environmental regulations we've come to depend on. I'm talking about the administrator of the EPA, Scott Pruitt. John O'Grady from the American Federation of Government Employees joins us next to talk about... What's going on at EPA? Stay with us here on this Monday edition of The Bill Press Show. We'll be right back.
2: Download our podcast. Search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. How about it? Here we are on
1: this Monday, Monday, February 12. Great to see you today. Thank you so much for joining us as we reach out to you coast to coast. Right here from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., with all the news with all the news of the day, uh, and um, coming to you and brought to you today by the American Federation of Government Employees, those good men and women of the AFGE under President J. David Cox. They're the ones who keep our federal agencies running coast to coast day in and day out. Uh, proud to get up and work for America every day. We salute them, thank them for the support of the program, as always, and direct you to their website to find out more uh, at AFGE.org. John O'Grady, AFGE National Council of EPA Employees, who joins us uh, actually in studio this morning. Hey, John, good to see you. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for coming in and get that microphone closer to sure. you. And thank you for your good work. We want to find out more about it, but... Uh, we've been out of here for uh, half an hour already today, uh, and uh, we always stir up a lot of uh, comments on Twitter. And welcome your comments on
3: Twitter, Peter. Got a couple of comments at BP Show, at BP Show, where we are tweeting all throughout the program, all throughout the day, if you want to follow us there. Uh, one person on Twitter uh grilled cheese and tomato soup is their name Uh, let me (laughs) let me get this straight secretary of state hrc with the highest clearance gets in made up trouble over email hillary clinton of course but rob porter with no clearance at all is handling the most secure information for over a year and that's totally fine according to the republicans uh retro burner says fiscally conservative nope moral moral values nope law and order nope first amendment nope america first my ass. <laughs> Do you have a comment? Find or you us on say Twitter.
1: Environment, nope. Environment, uh, yeah. nope. Uh,
3: yeah, find us on Twitter at BP Show.
1: All right. Uh, again, uh, we uh, the, the no audience uh, and no guests more important than uh, all of you. We love hearing from you. So send us your comments on Twitter at uh, BP Show. Uh, so, John, you uh, represent the, if I get correctly, the EPA. The members of uh, AFGE who work at the uh, at the EPA. Yes, right? correct. Right. We
4: we represent about eight thousand people nationwide. Uh, uh, how big is EPA? Totally. Uh, EPA, in terms of our uh, total workforce, it's about down to fourteen thousand one hundred and forty, give or take uh, a couple, uh, from a high of eighteen thousand one hundred and ten, back in nineteen ninety nine. Uh, when did the uh, when did the cuts start? Uh, The cut started really during the uh, Obama administration, but because Congress forced the agency to uh, retreat from 17,000-plus employees down to 15,000, they basically were not going to fund anything more than 15,000.
1: Right. So um, what, I mean, I have to tell you, where I'm coming from, I think Scott Pruitt is probably Donald Trump's worst appointment. Uh, But it fits a pattern, as I see it, of Donald Trump seemed to, if, for every agency, go out and try to find the person who was least supportive of the work of that agency and put them in charge of it. Um, I don't think there's any better example of that than Scott Pruitt, who actually filed lawsuits against EPA, what, dozen times? Fourteen times. Fourteen times. Yes. Right. Yes. So you, he's been there a year now, right? Um what is your impression of his commitment to uh, environmental protection as the administrator of the EPA?
4: I think he has uh, a... I,
1: by the way, I don't want to get you fired.
4: Uh, you can't. I'm I'm the union president. <laughs> there so you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's right. a relief. Um, <laughs> okay. No, uh, let, but, let's be straight. He is probably one of the best people in place to destroy U.S. EPA. That is his mission. Uh, Mr. Banyan, back in uh, January of 2016 said, uh, I think it was 2016, <clears throat> maybe 17, whatever, uh, he said that Donald Trump's appointees were there to deconstruct the administrative state. And uh, they couldn't have picked um, a worse uh, case scenario than putting Scott Pruitt in place of the agency.
1: Right. So that, that mission accomplished, if you will, Right. Uh, and in and, and, and that putting him there was Donald Trump's first, first. Now, what has he been able to do In that year uh, that he's been there. All right. Well, I think they have a a four-year program in
4: place. Uh, They first tried to destroy the agency in one fell swoop with a 31% proposed reduction in budget and 25% personnel. That didn't work. So now they're going to do it in pieces year by year. Um, We are now down to 14,142. And you got to remember that in this 2018 budget, both in the House version and the Senate version, there is $79 million set aside for further buyouts uh, of EPA employees. Mm -hmm. To put that in perspective, in 2014, the agency offered 456 people buyouts. It cost the agency $16.2 million. So $79 million could mean well over 2,000 employees leaving the agency, and no one is being hired to replace them.
1: So what they're doing is just, again, these are not people who are not doing their jobs or whatever, right? They just want to to reduce the workforce of EPA, therefore making EPA less effective? Absolutely. And uh, you hear a lot of rhetoric about rule
4: of law. You hear cooperative federalism. Let me take cooperative federalism for I don't know what that means. It, uh, it, it allegedly is... Uh, trying to push government uh, for on the federal sector to down, to the states. down to the states. It's yeah, a bunch okay. of garbage. The reason is, uh, of all mm-hmm. this, the programs that EPA manages, 96% have already been authorized at the state level. The states are doing the work. Mm. Here's the problem. Uh, at least 30 to uh, 35 of our 50 states are under budgetary constraints in 2017 and 2018. They do not have the staff. They do not have the budget. They have wonderful people, but they need the U.S. EPA. They need the federal EPA. They need our dollars. They need our technical expertise. They need our scientific research, and they need our enforcement. Those are the things that the Pruitt administration are attacking.
1: Right. Now, I know that from my uh, background working for the governor of California, for Governor Jerry Brown, that uh, for so many programs, you know, we, uh, for, for particularly clean water, clean air, we depended we had the strongest programs mm-hmm. in the nation in California, but we still couldn't have done them without EPA uh, and everything that EPA pro- uh, pro- provided. Um, so um, you hear both from the president and from Scott Pruitt. I mean, Donald Trump is always saying, you know, I want clean air, very or clean water, or very, I believe, in clean water, very, very clean water. And uh, was it in that interview with... Uh, it
3: was with Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan. Yeah, remember? yeah. Crystal clean Crystal air. Crystal clean
1: air and water and everything. It
3: d- d- doesn't have a grasp on what any of it really means.
1: And Donald Trump and uh, Scott Pruitt says uh, the same thing. What's the reality here? What well, have they done in terms of clean air and clean water? Please recognize that's just a bold-faced lie, period.
4: Let's call it what it is. It's a lie. Uh, you can't have clean air, clean water, clean land without having enforcement. So under this first year of the Trump administration... EPA's enforcement nationwide has taken a dive. And states also that are run by Republican governors have taken a dive in enforcement. Uh, You have to remember that of all the people that are permitted, all the industries that are permitted, uh, the U.S. EPA can only see less than a tenth of a percent of all of them. And if you start cutting travel dollars, then inspectors don't go out in the field. They don't collect samples, no samples, no data, no data, no enforcement, no EPA.
1: Uh, so, are they? Uh, uh, there is a Clean Water Act and a Clean Air Act, right? I mean, yes. they remain in place. Yes. Ha- have Have they been gutted, or it's just that the the work to enforce them has been gutted? Is that what you you're saying? You can have
4: the best laws in the land, but if you don't have the people to enforce them, if you don't have the people to do the research, if you don't have the money behind it, you have nothing.
1: Right. Um, what about on in terms of um, regulations that, that were, and there were many of them, uh, adopted by executive order under uh, President Obama? I'm thinking particularly of the coal, coal-fired power plants, both existing and new.
4: Yeah, For the life of me, I cannot understand how people can, can still be carrying the flag for coal. Coal did its job, its old energy— we are into solar power. we enter into, into wind power. Um, it's kind of like trying to bring back the steam engine or bring back uh, telling everybody they have to ride horses again. Give us a break. We're smarter than that. Um, coal, there's no such thing as clean coal. It doesn't exist. And, uh, well, and we don't want to go back there.
1: Well, I mean, I, I, I really laughed out loud when Donald Trump, in his State of the Union address, said something about, you know, we believe in clean coal, right? And, uh, some ple- some people believe in fairies. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but the but but the regulations, which limited um, emissions from existing coal-fired power plants, have been undone. Right. I mean, or reversed.
4: They're they're working hard to reverse them, and they're going to come up with some a-
1: grand plan to. Uh, uh, ensure that we have clean air, but it's not going to work. They've I, announced their intention to, yes. re, to roll those back, and the same thing with the regulations on new power plants. Yes. So is there anything that Congress or people can do? Oh, I mean, first thing, um,
4: it is your congressional representative and it is your two state senators. Uh, they are at fault. You need to tell them what you want. You want clean air, clean water, clean land. You want an EPA that's fully funded and fully staffed and you need and that's doing its job. You right? you do. And you need to tell them to do their job and if they don't do their job, you vote them out of office. That's the the bottom line. And if you want to believe that somebody is going to rise to the service and protect us all, that's not going to happen. All of us. Every American needs to rise up and vote. Every American needs to write, email, <laughs> visit, phone calls, whatever you got to do to your congressional rep and your US senators make it abundantly clear that you want clean air, clean water, clean land and it means that you have a fully funded and fully staffed EPA. Right. They're the
1: ones that that's of all the federal agencies that's the that's the agency with that task. That correct. is correct. Right. Now, what now do- so Congress could overrule or override anything that Scott Pruitt does. Abs- they, right? Absolutely. However,
4: the problem is um, too many of our congressional reps and US senators are bought and paid for before they even get to office. We should make them dress like NASCAR drivers, you know, where they have the Koch Brothers symbol and and other corporations. Uh, this is ridiculous.
1: Uh, they don't represent. It's a great us. idea. Uh, see, it is a great idea. Yeah, yeah. You know, there'd be the uh, the Exxon crew, the Exxon Absolutely. man, right? right? Right. You have the uh, Koch and Brothers. I took man money from in, right? XYZ yeah. Corporation the Sheldon, because Adelson, yeah, whatever, because yeah. they
4: don't believe in climate change. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: Big Pharma. Yeah, you could come in like. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you could have fun designing the costumes for oh, this people. Oh, I'd love to do that. Yeah, the costumes would have to reflect the industry that they represent. Yes. Right? So, like big tobacco, right? Or, or <laughs> they could wear tobacco leaves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or the uh, the the, uh, <coughs> the dairy industry, right? <laughs> Each of them would bring a cow with yeah. them. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the big cheese heads or yes. something, whatever. Yes. No, but uh, they, they, so many of them do. So they come in with that. They're not, let's say, environmentally inclined, right? Right.
4: And who do they represent? Do they represent the people that voted them in office or do they represent the people that gave them the money to
1: get into office? Well, just a tangent here. but uh, So I got started in politics through uh, environmental politics. Mm -hmm. Working for a state senator who was the number one environmentalist. His name was Peter Bear in California. And at that time, all the head of all the major environmental movements in California to save Lake Tahoe, to save the coast, to save San Francisco Bay, to save the redwoods, you name it. Every one of them was led by a Republican. It was the Republican Party started the conservation movement in California and I think nationwide. I don't know how it turned to become a number one a partisan issue. Uh, because even then, Democrats supported it. Republicans were taking the lead. But suddenly, it's become you know something that Republican the P- Republican Party is against. I mean, why? Wh- wh- listen to Donald Trump. I mean, why this uh, anti-environmental movement? I don't think it reflects the American people. It does not reflect the American people. According to uh, surveys
4: like Pew Research and so on, uh, good. of Americans want a clean environment and they want a strong EPA. Uh, How it became a partisan issue, I believe that's directly related to uh, lobbyists and companies that don't want to put in the technology necessary to make sure that your children, my children, our grandchildren have clean air, clean water. Um, And it's very sad. Uh, You are right. It was the Republicans, and they've moved away from that position. It's now a partisan issue now for some some reason, people think it's the Democrats that are environmentalists and Republicans are pro-industry. Um, you know, Mr. Pruitt goes around talking about you can have both. Well, guess what, Scott? We've had both, okay? We've had both a booming economy and a great environmental movement, and it was there before you ever came on board, and people need to realize that.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if EPA um, were so strong, and it was, when EPA had, had its strength, right? The American economy was still booming. It Corporations is. were still making the biggest profits they've ever made in history. Exactly. So you can't blame it on EPA. right? Exactly. Or and, it. you know,
4: the, the <laughs> thing that people just don't get is a couple of things. One, everybody talks about big government. Well, guess what, folks? Uh, the number of federal employees today is the same number as we had under John F. Kennedy. And if you don't believe me, go on USOPM's website and Google... Uh, Federal employees, 1940 to present, the same number. Is government too big? Yes. But why is it too big? Because we have too many contractors. There's a uh, professor out of New York University, Paul C. Light, and he's done a lot of work on this. Uh, Recently in his work he noted that there's 9.1 federal employees, 9.1 million federal employees. Of that, 22.4% are federal civilian employees who take the oath of office. The rest are contractors. The rest are contractors. And 33 percent. Almost
1: 80 percent. Absolutely.
4: Absolutely. And 80 percent. Excuse me. Not 80 percent. Thirty some percent of all federal employees are veterans. So when you cut EPA, when you cut VA, when you cut HUD,
1: you're cutting veterans. You're hurting veterans. All right. So I want to come back to this. What uh, people can do. Right. So certainly get involved politically. Know your Cong- your member of Congress, by by the way, state legislators as well, and your senators. And if they're not supporting uh, the environmental, particularly tough environmental regulations, not supporting a tough EPA, vote them out. Um, work to vote them to, to get them out. But you've also got this launch this campaign um, for where American people can join in, right? To save. Yes, we have to save EPA. Yes.
4: It's uh, Save... How, how do
1: people find out about it? It's very easy. Save the USEPA
4: org and it's also on Facebook and Twitter. And please join us and please get involved. Please get informed. Save
1: uh, the US .org. Okay. Yes. All right. Go ahead. So what can people do? What do well, you, what, you what need you to get on. You need to get uh,
4: you need to get up to date on what's going on, what's being cut. For example, we just found out the other day that a Las Vegas laboratory is being closed. Now US EPA has unique laboratories across the country. Uh, They're in place because we can do impartial research, we can gather the data that's necessary for appropriate standards for the air, for water, for land. Um, Would you prefer to have this done by industry? I wouldn't, Um, it's, it's not appropriate. So we're trying to stave off the closure of these laboratories, we're trying to stave off The closure. So these labs are
1: testing what? Uh,
4: It depends. You have a a laboratory. Air sample. Yes, you have a laboratory in Gulf Breeze, for example, that does a lot of work with uh, oceans and waters. uh, In the Gulf, Uh, we have uh, laboratories in Narragansett, uh, Rhode Island. We have a laboratory in Ada, Oklahoma, Um, and they all have different areas of expertise. It might be Superfund. It might be air. It might be water. Um, there's a Duluth laboratory in Minnesota that does work on the Great Lakes. Uh, they're very, very unique labs, and this administration wants to shut them down.
1: Right. Uh, and so if people go to save uh, the usaepa.org, they can find out about some of these some of these threats, I guess, right? Absolutely. What are the employees like you of the EPA? Um, so wh- what happens to you if Scott Pruitt knows that you're uh, going around the country? Um, disagreeing with him and critical of his, uh, of his tenure.
4: Uh, if he wants to debate me on the pro- on the on the subject, that'd be fine. Um, the fact is, uh, the facts are on our side. Uh, we know what the facts are. We're not spinning um, things into something they're not. Um, Mr. Pruitt likes to talk about cooperative federalism. I also address that, that the states are already doing that, but yeah. they need us. They need our money, they need our staff. He's trying to
1: take all that away. Um, That's a lie. I mean, does he—so do you say—would you say that you represent the majority of EPA employees? Yes, and the problem is that most EPA employees are being um,
4: uh, so terrorized with what's going on that they don't know which way to turn, and— Can you continue—can they continue to do their jobs? uh... they're doing the best they can but you have to remember we're down to fourteen thousand one hundred forty employees from eighteen thousand one hundred and ten people have a lot on their plate already and then you have all this negativism from congress from uh, the right-wing press about how bad federal employees let me ask a question how many corporations do you hear bad-mouthing their employees i would say none so why do they bad-mouth the federal employees who take an oath of office who serve the american public who want to serve the american public but yet, uh, at every turn, we're stymied. You know, we don't have the staff. We don't have the funding.
1: And who do, who are there, and I know that because I know so many of you, um, really believe in serving the public. You know, I, I, I know we always say who they're proud to work for America every day. I think that is true it's of very all federal true. employees. I
4: took an oath of office when I came on to the federal government to defend and protect the United States Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And we have a bunch of domestic terrorist right now
1: trying to tear down the government that serves the American people. Uh, there's a front page article in the Washington Post this morning. I knew if i have had a chance to see it about uh, Scott Pruitt. When he travels, he always travels first class with a lot of security. He is spending a lot of money, a record amount of money as EPA administrator um, on his own personal travel flying around the around the country. Well, it's business travel, but I mean, um he's he's going first class all the way uh is ha- this something that um, that's come to your attention before do you know about it
4: uh yes it is and uh he's also a bit on the paranoid side he had his office swept for bugs uh, as if someone really cares um what he's saying in his office he has a cone of silence like on get smart uh, so he can have uh, confidential phone calls and yes he has a 24 7 security detail. I don't know why. He's only the Environmental Protection Agency (laughs) administrator. He's not uh, the head of state. Um, So I I don't know why he's wasting all this money. And also, he goes to places like Morocco to promote natural gas. Why? Why? What's that have to do with environmental protection in the United States?
1: Uh, It's hard for me to see the connection. between. I I see no connection. I mean, if Rick Perry went to Morocco to promote Natural gas, that would still be a joke, because Rick Perry's a joke, but at least that sort of fits his job description, right? Right, right. Uh, I don't see it with EPA. Um, but let's face it, Scott Pruitt would not be where he is, he would not be doing what he's doing if he did not have the full support of the President of the United States. Would you agree?
4: Yes, I do, and that speaks volumes, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, Right. So there's the, that's where the problem ultimately rests. But, of course, we can't do anything about that. Well, problem. the next
4: time we have an election, don't stay home. And that was what happened Amen. to us. Yeah. Don't Amen. stay home. Get out and vote. Get your mom and dad to vote. Get your brothers and sisters to vote. Get your millennials, your millennial children to vote. We That's the only way we're going to win this thing.
1: Right. right? So remember, uh, this is a, so very, very important, and um, we all have to uh, participate. And here's one way you can do so, uh, joining this crusade, this campaign uh, to save the EPA and basically uh, to uh, keep our environment as clean as we can until we get Donald Trump out of there. It's SaveTheUSEPA.org, a project of the great AFGE. and. Uh, John John O'Grady leading it up. And I'm proud to do so. Thanks, John, for coming in. All Thank right. you, Bill. Great. Say hello to Chicago and WCPT out there. I certainly right. will. We'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks.
2: you everything you need to fight the trump administration this is the bill press show live at youtube.com slash the bill press show does john kelly still
1: have a job and for how long hey what do you say everybody on a monday monday february 12 so good to see you today thank you for joining us Here on the Bill Press Show, coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., with all the news of the day. Hope you had a great weekend, ready to dive in on a whole mess of topics today. Yes, uh, the government uh, did shut down, but it got right back uh, into business again. And um, with the Republicans eager, eager and willing to spend a whole lot of money to keep uh, uh, the government open for the next uh, two years. Uh, Meanwhile, the White House reeling uh, over the Rob Porter little, uh, not little, Rob Porter scandal uh, with uh, nobody willing to admit that they were in charge, fingers pointing in all different directions. Uh, Who knew what, when, where? They keep changing the stories. It is a bloody mess. We'll keep you up to date on that as well. Uh, and meanwhile, we are uh, all eyes on um, South Korea uh, and just magnificent performances there on the part of uh, young athletes from all over the world. So we've got lots to talk about uh, this last hour. We love having you with us and look forward to hearing from you. Send us your comments on Twitter, as always, at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, and we'll jump in this first half hour to talk about... Um, how the United States is really creating problems all over the world with the guns that we man- manufacture and export. But first,
3: this let's get Peter out for the, the big headlines headline of the day. Yes, indeed. Just come over with their stories, making news. Well, uh, we both watched some Olympics over the weekend. Yeah. Did you watch the opening ceremonies? Uh, I didn't. They they were really beautiful. Well done. Mike Pence didn't either. (laughs) No, he didn't. He just sat Uh, down. I thought they were really, really, really well done. The problem, of course, is when we watch them here in America, we have to deal with the commentators constantly talking over the beautiful opening ceremonies. This has happened the last couple of years. Well, this year, Katie Couric was one of the people talking and she actually said something that had a lot of people scratching their heads when the Netherlands team came out she talked about how dominant they've been in speed skating because quote speed skating is an important mode of transportation when the canals freeze over she said that the canals freeze over and so they just take their skates on the canals to get to places faster because that's an effective form of transportation turns out it's fake news it's not true it's not true it's just not true people have jumped onto twitter to say like what in the world is she talking about we're from the netherlands it just doesn't happen so she has not put out a statement about what she said or why she said it yet but it left a lot of people wondering what in the world is she talking about somebody gave her a little note yeah she was right she Mm -hmm. had some bad information fake news fake news Want to go to Disney World or Disneyland? Well, you better hope you have a little more extra money. They announced over the weekend that they are raising their prices yet again. They've done it the past couple of years around this time. So if you want to go to Disney World, just one park at Disney World, the Magic Kingdom, during the busiest time of the year, it will cost you $129 per person. That is a $5 increase from last year. Uh, they are not alone, of course. Disneyland also raised their price of admission by $7. It costs $117 to go visit there. Not only did they raise prices on the parks, but they raised prices on parking as well. So good luck with that.
1: Yeah. If you well, want to go visit. So if you take the whole family, it's going to set you back 1000 bucks.
3: Pretty much. Pretty much. And uh, one final story, very quickly: uh, the Weinstein Company, Harvey Weinstein's company, has been in talks to be uh, sold. Well, the New York Attorney General sued the Weinstein Company on Sunday. Yeah. They said that years of uh, sexual harassment, sexual assault, sexual uh, misconduct uh, has was not well taken care of, not just by Weinstein himself, but the people that also worked there. So, that's now in uh, in jeopardy. Okay this is the bill press
1: show john kelly could be on his way out Uh, the president says he has complete confidence in him which is usually a sign under any president, that that person is uh, <laughs> soon to depart. Hey, what do you say, everybody? Great to see you. Monday, February 12. Welcome uh, to the Bill Press Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you had a great weekend, ready to dive into the news of the day, uh, which, uh, and that's our job. I'll tell you what's going on, both here in Washington, around the country, and around the globe, as we come to you live from our nation's capital and our studio on Capitol Hill Joining you online, of course, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Joining you on Free Speech TV, coast to coast, and on the great WCPT, the progressive voice of Chicago out in the greater Chicago uh, area. Uh, in studio, joining us this, at, at this uh, for this half hour from the Center for American Progress, um, Eugenio, Eugenio Weigand, Eugenio Weigand, right? Correct. I got that right is associate director for gun violence prevention uh at a, at the Center for American Progress. So Eugenia, thanks for coming in. Um you've been writing about how much of a problem uh the United States we manufacture a lot of guns, right? Around 9 million per year. 9 million per year. year. Right. Is that where does that put us in terms of I
0: was probably the number one producer in the world in terms of firearms.
1: Really? Yeah. 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 Uh,
0: And where do they go? So we looked at information from the ATF that was released like seven, eight months ago, uh, and we looked at guns found in other countries in the region. Uh, And when I say region, I mean Mexico, Canada, Central America, and the Caribbean. Uh, And we found out that around every 31 minutes, a U.S. gun is used to commit a crime in one of these countries, at the very
1: least. In one of those countries? In one
0: of those countries. And this is at the very least because this is based on information of guns that were actually found and uh, traced. So it means that there could be probably more guns and it means that the time that uh, a U.S. gun is used to commit a crime is probably lower than 31 minutes, but well, at the very
3: least,
1: every 31 minutes. All uh, right, so... Um how are they getting these guns? Do they come here and buy them and take them with them? So so there's it's a combination of uh, a lot of guns in the
0: United States, but also weak gun laws, uh, which make it very, very easy for a person to purchase a firearm uh, at a gun show with no questions asked and simply cross them. Uh, Even if instantly. they're not a U.S. citizen? Well, it depends on the gun show. Where uh, I've been to a couple of gun shows where I've seen people purchase firearms without having them respond to any questions or show on any paper. So it depends. Um, and also... Keep in mind that straw purchasing is also a problem, uh, and this means that a person— Straw purchasing? Straw purchasing, um, uh, and this is when a person is able to purchase a firearm legally and does so, uh, but then gives these firearms to, to a, a third person, which then uh, traffics them. So they're
1: buying the it. They're not buying it for themselves. They're the straw it.
0: purchasers don't buy it for themselves. Right. You know, they buy them for a the third person, which is usually a, a gun trafficker.
1: Right. Uh, can they buy them online?
0: They can also buy them online uh, with no background checks, um, uh, and it's it's also one of the the ways in which you know gun trafficking occurs. Either gun shows or online are, are easy places where you can purchase a firearm with relatively easily and with no questions asked.
1: In these countries, do they have their own gun manufacturers uh, or, well, or? It depends. For
0: example, Mexico only the army. It produces firearms um, and it, it's very restrictive in terms of what they produce. Uh, they're the only ones who are able to sell the firearms as well. Uh, so they do have very uh, strict gun laws. That doesn't mean that they're very well implemented, but but they do have strict gun laws in, on on the table. Right. Um, but you know they are having lots of issues in Mexico in terms of violence. Uh, just to give you an example, 2017 was the uh, was the most violent year, with the highest levels of homicide in the past 20 years in Mexico, and 66% of homicides uh, were committed with firearms. Uh, Of course, the United States has an important role to play in this, because 70% of firearms found in Mexico originate in the the United States. How many? 70%. 70%. Whoa. Um, And we also looked at information in Canada. Now, Canada is not as violent as Mexico or other Central American countries, or even as violent as the United States. However, there's growing concern uh, among police officers in Canada about the level or the number of U.S. firearms found uh, in Canada
1: in recent years. You know, you don't think of, you don't, I don't hear about much crime in Canada. I mean, I'm sure it, it does exist, right? But
3: I mean, their crime rates are lower than ours, for sure. Yeah, they
1: are completely lower than,
0: than Mexico, than Central America and the United States. But there's still a, a growing concern about the level of firearms that are crossing the border
1: just
3: wondering that's why. amazing
0: it is
1: why about Canada I don't know. well I mean I, I honestly
3: think <laughs> part of it does have to do with the gun culture here in America right Absolutely. Like, you yeah. know in Canada I'm not saying that every country has a better system than what we have It's broken as ours is but like they people don't feel like they have to strap themselves up with a gun just to go to the supermarket, right? Like which a lot which they do in a lot of places in America,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or church, or church, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Or coffee, the coffee shop, or something. But I want to go back to Mexico because I remember. Um, I mean, first of all, I thought, little do I know, that the violence rate in Mexico had actually started to go down. But you're saying it's, it's so, just it's, the opposite.
0: So it went down 2014, 15, and then oh. spiked up. Fifteen uh, 16 and 17 again. Okay. And then okay. 17 reached its most, uh, the highest level of violence in the past 20 years. And and firearms, the rate of gun homicides uh, also reached its all-time highest in the past 20 years, right. in 2017. Co- because I
1: remember uh, in the Obama years at the White House, uh, in the Rose Garden once, when uh, I think the president of Mexico was there, or the or foreign minister or whatever, and the question was asked, the representative from Mexico about the drug trafficking and the gun violence in Mexico, and you know, right there in front of the president of the United States, he said, "Well, <clears throat> yeah, that's true, but the problem is the guns are coming from you, mm-hmm. right? You are supplying the guns that are used in all these drug wars down in uh, down in Mexico." And what? Mm-hmm. And and, and uh, some people weren't. Pleased that he did that, but it's true, isn't it? It's true.
0: I mean, and in, in you look
1: said seventy percent of the guns, seventy percent
0: of firearms found in Mexico uh, are traced back to the United States. Um, and and also keep in mind that you know the narrative of Trump of crime coming from this country is that immigrants are bringing crime. You know, you, you also need to look at crime going north to south in terms of guns. Uh, uh, you know, guns are fueling violence in in this region as well.
1: Right. So if those guns are being exported to Mexico. I mean, they're they're going there for for one reason, right? right?
0: They're probably going to use. The, they're not
1: going down there for police for police departments. They're not going down there for the army, whatever. They're going down there for yeah. individuals well, to use, and I, for and the I, most part, for no good. Yeah, and it's also important to
0: highlight what you just mentioned that that it, it's also true that you know police officers do get firearms in Mexico. And that there is an issue of, of those firearms being diverted to criminal groups within Mexico as well. We, we do acknowledge that that problem does exist as well uh, in, in, in Mexico. From
4: law enforcement. From law that.
0: enforcement to, to you know. But that, you know, the, the, the biggest issue continues to be, you know, illegal gun trafficking uh, across the U.S.-Mexico border.
1: Um, so if American guns are um, being used to kill our neighbors in Canada and Mexico and the Caribbean and Central America, what can we do about it?
0: So we we highlight a couple of recommendations uh, on our report that was released uh, two weeks ago, now, and these same measures that we suggest would not only reduce gun trafficking to other countries, but would also also reduce gun violence within the United States. So we recommend universal background checks. You know, like I mentioned and at the beginning of the show, it's very easy to purchase a firearm at a gun show online, yeah. Yeah. Uh, with no questions asked. So so that's our first recommendation. You know, uh, have the universal background checks be implemented. On all gun transactions, not just on on FFL dealers, um, we also recommend that straw purchasing become a, a, a federal crime. Um, uh, our third recommendation was that the reporting of multiple sales of long guns. Currently, in the United States, when someone purchases multiple handguns at an FFL, mm-hmm. they are required to report this to the ATF. But it's not the case for long guns, so uh, rifles, AK forty seven assault weapons, you know, which which are actually the the, the most common type of weapons used in criminal organizations in Mexico and Central Caribbean, uh,
1: Central American. The yeah, Caribbean, they're probably sorry. not using handguns.
0: No, the the most common guns uh, reported by the the police officers in Mexico is that AR fifteen, AK forty uh, seven. So so we recommend that you know when someone comes and purchases multiple long guns, they report this to the ATF. Now it, they do they do report this on border states. So on the border states, they are required to report the sales of multiple long guns: Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and California. But mm-hmm. not. On the other states, and there's been cases of uh you know uh, gun trafficking rings in Oregon recently, which purchased multiple long guns and then were were sent to mexico so so well, we believe that this is an important measure as well
1: well the, the these recommendations uh have been made before um uh it, 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 in just thinking about the gun violence in this country right, correct. not necessarily yep. the gun violence which we are helping. Fuel, yeah. yeah. Fuel You're absolutely throughout, right. Throughout the region. Uh, and they they, they didn't get very far. <laughs> what makes you think you'll have any more success this time?
0: Well, you know, the fact that, that they haven't been passed doesn't mean that they will not in the future. It doesn't mean that we should not talk about them. I think it's very important that we do. I think it's very important that we mention that, you know, universal background checks will reduce gun trafficking. Universal background checks will reduce domestic violence. Death. Universal background checks will reduce mass shootings. Why not? We need to keep Saying what evidence tells us, um, and and I think in the future we might be able to get one or two of these measures passed, and and you know with it, gun violence reducing this country and gun trafficking reducing the region.
1: Right, and of course one difference now is I mean there, no, nothing nothing on this happened um, under uh, the eight years of uh, the pres- the Obama administration. The difference was that you had a president who at least believed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that these were good ideas. That's correct. That's correct. (laughs) Uh, He was unable to get any of it done, uh, particularly because of the Republican opposition in Congress and but also some Democrats. Mm -hmm. But when you have a president and an administration who don't think there's a problem in the first place and then who are against any form of gun safety measures in the second place the chances are even less likely of seeing any improvement.
0: That's true. But also keep in mind that many of these measures are are actually supported by the American population, just universal background checks. More than 90% of of the U.S. uh, citizens believe this is Mm -hmm. a good idea. And also keep in mind that a lot of states are doing things uh, about gun violence in this country. Um, And, you know, we focus a lot on the federal level, and we should. But uh, we, we can also look at state levels and see what types of measures of these measures can be passed at a state level as well, and I think that's where we probably can have the uh, success in the short term. Uh, right. but also keep in mind in the long term that you know we want these things implemented. Well, as, as in many level.
1: other areas, it's, it's the it's the, it's the, it's the any progress uh, or leadership uh, on many issues is coming from the states, mm-hmm. not not from the federal not not from the federal government, right? That's true. Uh, but but still, um, there's only so much the states can do. That's true. And also, one thing to keep in mind
0: is that you know, so, a, a, a good platform on gun violence prevention is also a good platform, uh, and, pe- and people will vote for candidates who have this. We saw the case in Virginia, um, uh, and mm-hmm. you know, Congress is uh, is going to be elected in, in this year as well. So it's also something to consider.
1: Right, uh, and I know that's something we've talked with uh, uh, your colleague Igor Volsky about, mm-hmm. who's very is doing a lot of great work in this area on guns as well. Which is um, every candidate should be. This should be something you ask of every candidate. To make sure they get on the record right. whether they support these gun safety measures or not. Mm-hmm. And right. if not, throw them out or don't vote for them.
0: Yeah, or at least have the information for the voters uh, as well to decide. You know, it's it's important.
1: Right, um, and uh, so in, uh, just one final question in terms of guns in this country. I mean, we have. I would imagine more guns per capita than any other country on the planet. So it's number one
0: per capita in the, in the world. Uh, and just to get you an idea, second place uh, is Yemen, and it has half of the guns uh, per capita in the United grief. States. Uh, this grief. is according to a report from Small Arms Survey. Uh, so yes, we are the the, the,
1: the number, country with the number one ownership. So more guns per, per, capita. Per, per capita here in the United States than any other country on the planet. That's correct. That's right. Great. Yeah. Talk about the gun culture, and, and Peter. And keep
0: in mind that you know that also brings mm. a lot of issues. You know, we're the the developed country with the highest rate of gun homicide in the world, twenty five times higher. Uh, young Americans are eighty two times more likely to die by guns than in other developed country. Uh, every day, more than ninety people are fatally shot, and more than two hundred injured
3: in this country. And when you think about how young of a country we are, I know, right? I know, like the I fact know. that we're at yeah. this position right. now right. in our history is stunning. It is, and.
1: Number 2 is Yemen. Yes, according to the small arms survey information. Mm, God, it is just it's so frustrating, it's so uh anyhow demoralizing too. But um you know, there are voices out there that are um pointing out how insane it is and how there are some easy ways that we could uh, get out of this uh situation and a Center for American Progress, leading the way on this issue. Thanks so much, Eugenia. Thank you Thanks for, for coming me. in. Thanks, Eugenia Weigand from uh, Center for American Progress. It's American Progress Action. AmericanProgressAction.org. Okay, we'll see you again. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Yeah, meanwhile, here um, in in uh, Washington, D.C., all, so much of the buzz and the number one issue people are still talking about is a possible big shakeup down at the White House over the way uh, just about everybody at the White House has screwed up uh, the situation dealing with Staff Secretary Rob Porter. It is a royal mess.
3: You know, you made an interesting point earlier in the in, in the show where you said this is something that is purely of their own creation, totally
1: self-inflicted. Yep. it's
3: it's not. They they can't blame shoddy reporting. Nope. They can't blame Democrats for having a similar problem. Can't blame Hillary. They can't
1: blame Hillary Clinton, Mm. of course. You know it's bad if Donald Trump has not tweeted blaming Hillary for Rob Porter.
3: Right. Right. But we've talked about this several times. Donald Trump's true skill is being able to hide behind whatever else it is that, uh, that, that he can hide behind to avoid blame. And in this one... There's nothing. Mm, No. There's
1: nothing. And and so the situation, briefly, is this. So the staff secretary, Rob Porter, staff secretary, the guy who is always right at the president's right-hand side, he's the last person, the person who hands him every single document that he reads, as if he reads, or that he signs, or anything. It goes to Rob Porter first. Nothing gets to the president except through his hands. He and John Kelly decide what the president sees. And this Rob Porter, so obviously for a job like that, you need the very highest top security clearance. Rob Porter couldn't get it. Why couldn't he get it? Because there were two ex-wives and one ex-girlfriend who accused him of physical domestic violence. Uh, And one of whom released a photograph of herself with a black eye that Rob Porter had given him. Uh, They just discovered this? No, that's the problem. They've known about it for 13 months, and this guy was kept on the job with no security clearance for 13 months. Uh, And as I say, nobody looks good in this. Certainly Rob Porter doesn't. He's out of a job. But Don McGahn, the White House counsel, was first informed of this by the FBI in January 2017, 13 months ago. Don McGahn knew Rob Porter might have a problem getting a security clearance. The FBI told him because of these allegations. Don McGahn does nothing. Flash forward, uh, Rob Porter tells John Kelly, hey, the Daily Mail's coming out with a story. Uh, well, let's, let's back up. Last uh, August, John Kelly becomes, uh, July 31, he was sworn in. He becomes the chief of staff. Around that time, the White House is very fuzzy now about exactly when, and John Kelly is lying about when. But about August, September, he finds out that his one of his top aides, Rob Porter, doesn't have a security clearance. Why? Because he's been held up by these allegations of domestic violence. John Kelly does nothing. Flash forward. Last week, the Daily Mail notifies the White House, hey, we got the goods on Rob Porter. We're going to publish this. Rob Porter goes to John Kelly and says, hey, there's a story coming out about me and domestic fob beating up my wives, but it's not true. It's not true, but the story's coming out. It's not going to be a good story. And what does John Kelly do? He defends Rob Porter, says he's a great guy, urges him to stay and fight these allegations. Uh, And so, and Kelly defends him until the very, very end, puts out a statement defending him Tuesday night, puts out a statement defending him Wednesday morning, Wednesday night only, when the Daily Mail, when he sees the photograph of the woman, with the black eye, does John Kelly change his mind, tells Porter he's got to leave. And then Kelly turned around and told the White House staff at a meeting, he says, now, here's, here's what I want you to say, that I never knew about this until like an hour before and within 40 minutes I had fired Rob Porter, which is an absolute outright flat out lie on the part of John Kelly. And then the president of the United States jumps in and defends him again. Even after Porter has left, Donald Trump says, oh, you know, he's a heck of a guy. And remember, remember, here's Donald Trump with reporters in the Oval Office on Friday. Remember, he says he's innocent. As you probably know, he says he's innocent. And I think you have to remember that. He said very strongly yesterday that he's innocent. Oh, yeah, right. So, here again. So, don't believe the women. Don't believe the women. But believe no. him. Believe the men, right. He says he's innocent, therefore it didn't happen. Roy Moore, same thing. He says he's innocent, therefore it didn't happen. Bill O'Reilly, same thing. He's a good person, he said about Bill O'Reilly. Therefore, he's, he denies it, therefore it didn't happen. And what about Donald Trump? This is his M.O. 20 women have accused him of sexual assault. And Donald Trump says it didn't happen, therefore far as he's concerned uh it didn't happen how tone deaf can you be no more tone deaf than than donald trump so um here here again you know the me too movement has swept this country it just hasn't penetrated the white house in the white house the rule is the men are always telling the truth the women are lying uh and we should do nothing about it.
3: it there's a phrase you see a lot of people use online and when they talk about this stuff right just three words believe the women yeah. Believe the women. Yeah, right. These women come forward. It's so hard to do, and they're so—and uh, and have been. We've seen such credibility in this around this issue. Believe the women. And the White House is taking, again, for whatever reason, the opposite contrarian phrase, believe the men, too. Uh, because, as you point out, that's just how Donald Trump has made it. Yeah. So
1: of all the people that look bad—by the way, Hope Hicks, too, who's now dating Rob Porter— uh, writes she's, she crafted the statement for John Kelly to defend her boyfriend. She was standing in the Oval Office alongside of Donald Trump when he defended her boyfriend. They all look bad, but I think the one, again, the worst is, the one who really proves, this proves he is not up to the job, is Chief of Staff John Kelly, and I believe John Kelly's got to go. I mean, uh, in 2016, I mentioned this earlier, this is, not, this is not John Kelly's first problem in this area. In 2016, not that long ago, there's a Marine colonel who was being court martial court-martial hearing for sexual abuse of two female soldiers who worked under him, and John Kelly appeared at that court-martial. Why? To defend the Marine colonel and call him a superb military officer. Uh, again, believe the man, don't believe the women. The same John Kelly who lied about that talk, the speech that uh, Congresswoman Frederica Wilson had given down in Florida, which Kelly attended. Uh, The same John Kelly who said, well, we didn't have to have a civil war if people would only have compromised over slavery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. The same John Kelly who called the dreamers lazy. The same John Kelly who said Donald Trump didn't know what the hell he was talking about uh, when he said he was going to build a wall and Mexico was going to pay for it. Uh, That wasn't that long ago. And the same John Kelly is now out there defending Rob Porter. I mean, I think uh, he's got his general's uniform, uh, but that doesn't make him competent. That doesn't make him right. uh, And that doesn't make him a good chief of staff. Um, I think for his own good and for the good of the country, uh, Donald Trump ought to uh, frog march uh, John Kelly out the front gate as well same way and replace he did with,
3: him and replace him with some other apologist for terrible men that's
1: the problem which is what's gonna yeah. happen yeah replace him but with,
3: still he's got to go
1: yeah right
3: uh we're gonna take a uh,
1: quick we're gonna talk to Travis Waldron next but I want to tell you about a great opportunity here uh Valentine's Day coming up give yourself a Valentine's <laughs> present here it is my new book called from the left doesn't come out until next month but you can order your advanced copy now by the way I checked on uh, Amazon, okay? Yeah. You've got 26-something 26, 26 on Amazon, which is the list price for here. Get it through us, sixteen seventy Look at 40% that. 40% discount. Look at that. So uh, it's such a great deal. Go to BillPressShow.com. Follow the link. Uh, you'll get a signed copy of From the Left, A Life in the Crossfire. It's my story um, with a lot of about the, a lot of the good times that I've had, a lot of the exciting times I've had, a lot of the great people that I've worked with uh, on television and in politics, from Jerry Brown to Bernie Sanders, uh, you know Bob Novak, Pat Buchanan, Tucker Carlson, uh, Mary Madeline <coughs> on uh, CNN, the whole gang, uh, and it's got a great lineup of uh, blurbs on the back from Cenk Yuger, our good friend Jen uh, at uh, uh, Young Turks Network which we are proudly part of, uh, Nancy Pelosi, Jerry Brown, Rosa DeLauro, and Maxine Waters. Hey, if they like the book, you'll love it too. Again, go to our website, BillPressShow.com. Order your copy right now. Signed copy out to you when we come back. How about them Olympics? Uh, Travis Waldron from uh, HuffPost joining us next here on The Bill Press Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, here we go on uh, Monday, Monday, February 12. Hello, folks. Great to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a big uh, Monday, Valentine's Day, just two days away. Don't forget. Oh, uh, you'll be in trouble if you do. We're coming to you live from our nation's capital, as always, uh, brought to you today by the American Federation of uh, Government Employees. Good men and women of the AFGE, under President J. David Cox. As you learned, if you were with us in the first half hour, they're doing great work, including keeping the EPA as strong as possible, despite the anti-environmental uh, leadership of Administrator Scott Pruitt. Check out their website at afge.org. Uh, and that special website of uh, save the savetheusepa.com. Uh, uh, Travis Waldron with us from HuffPost. Hello, Travis. General Morning. all-around good guy reporter <laughs> on all kinds of topics, and uh, we still think of you as a s- sports reporter, but that's not fair.
2: Well, this time of year.
1: This time of year. This
2: time every two years. Yeah,
1: indeed. <laughs> still. And, and, you know, so I, um, I always bring in the front section of the New York Times, never the sports section, except this time of year. Fabulous photo uh, today. A great shot. Uh, uh, of... Uh, this young woman, Mir, how did you, Nagasu, or Mirai Nagasu, who, who hit the triple axel for the nailed first, it. first. Nailed it.
2: First, first American beautiful, woman. Beautiful.
1: Yeah. but So tell us, what's the big deal about
2: that? I, I plead my ignorance. Well, I am not a huge figure skating aficionado. Okay. What?
1: But I mean. <laughs> shocking, right?
2: <laughs> am I am I, I didn't even watch last night. I was actually watching the snowboarding. Um, so I missed most of the figure skating. I was watching curling and snowboarding.
1: You, but how do you so. have a choice about what to watch? I mean, NBC.
2: Well, there's multiple there are a million channels. different
3: channels that it's on.
2: Come on, Bill. No, I thought. Oh no, yeah, seriously. Man.
3: Oh, I, dude. Come yeah, on. There's
2: NBC, NBC Sports. I don't want to become a brand ambassador for NBC, okay. so I'm not right. going to list but, all of them. But they're but. all NBC <laughs> channels. Yes. Oh,
1: okay. All right. Okay. Um, but here's my question, and maybe you don't know the answer: Is haven't I seen men do the triple axel? I would assume so. All the time, right? So this I was the first so. American woman to I believe it. so. I believe that's right. Yeah. Okay, that's what I didn't didn't connect. Do you know? Peter? I wish I could tell I you no what a triple axle was. I, but I, I, I again, along with
3: Travis, am not uh, uh, up to speed on a lot of the figure skating news. I did watch Adam Ripon last night. I oh, he did was too. great.
1: He was yeah. incredible. He was great. Now, he did a triple am Unless I'm wrong, he did a triple axle, A couple of them, yes. I think. But
2: he lost because he didn't try the quad,
3: is <laughs> what I gathered? Yeah. Yeah, that's what they were saying.
2: And he under rotated on his triple.
3: I hate when that happens.
2: <sniffs> Me too. I used to do still that. still won a medal though. I used to <laughs> he do still that. Still won a medal. Yeah, he won a medal. Yeah, yeah. no, medal. he did.
1: He, he had an incredible performance. I thought. He, and Johnny
3: it. Weir last night was was dumbfounded by the fact that he didn't get higher scores. He mm-hmm. says that he he did such a good job. And I I mean, look, it, it's so funny because I'll watch these things. I go, what an amazing, remarkable thing that they're doing. And then the judges are like,
2: I know it was I sloppy. Know. Are yeah, you? it
3: was sloppy. His arm and was, was out of terrible. position. And I was like, "No!"
2: no. He really I dug his skate that, into the ice there, and I'm like, "You want to see somebody dig right. a skate into the ice?
1: <laughs> no, put I me know. out there." <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> you want to see sloppy? No. Yeah. Well,
1: I was watching. I watched the, 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 what most of what I watched was uh, the figure skating uh, because that's Carol loves it and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and used to do a lot of skating herself. Not Olympic skating, but uh, but at any rate, it's so it's so I don't know. Beautiful and so gracious, and I mean the way they, they just should have watched it, the snowboarding. It, un, yeah, it was an
2: abomination.
3: Yeah, what happened there last night? They shouldn't have well, run wait it. A minute, we they had shouldn't
2: our... have run it. What happened? It was That's awful. we saying
3: yeah, it was so there was windy. there was yeah. like fifteen oh, really?
2: to twenty mile an hour winds, and they ran it anyway. And well, they, I really they, wonder they canceled a lot
1: of events. They canceled yesterday.
2: the alpine skiing, yeah. but uh, a lot of the women apparently didn't want to run it. And they did anyway, and it was I think forty-one out of the fifty runs included a fall. Ooh! And there were multiple women who pulled up before jumps because they just weren't uh-huh. confident in the wind, and including one of the gold medal candidates who on her second run just pulled up right before. Mm. And they they said there was a column on Yahoo today that where a lot of the women were complaining that they don't think they would have run it if they would have been a Higher profile event wow. and that they didn't even consult them. Really? Yeah. So,
1: now, how about this seventeen-year-old American who? What's the um, Red Gerard? Red, Red
2: Gerard. Yeah. Great, great story. Yeah. And we had girl. a we had a seventeen-year-old woman in the slope style last night too, and she, I think she fell on her both runs, but she was she was pretty awesome too. But this Red Gerard, how you pronounce this? Like he just seems so. Casual. Yeah, I love that he was thing. like, I didn't realize the Olympics were a big deal. I grew up watching the X Games. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> and what did you say, Peter? You overslept? He yeah. overslept
3: on the day that he was supposed to run. And he, the night before, he realized that he had lost his jacket, his coat that he was going uh, right. to compete in. So he had to borrow his roommate.
2: Extremely 17.
3: He's, he's mm-hmm. extremely 17. Well, his he,
2: family was like shotgunning beers he, at the yeah. bottom of the hill.
3: And, and after he <laughs> won, he screams out. Holy F! And Mike Tirico, uh, who was back in the at the command center for NBC, had to say like, "Well, uh, we're very sorry about the yeah. language that <laughs> you heard, but you understand there's a lot of enthusiasm." <laughs> and it's just like he's he's the perfect he's the perfect lovable guy.
2: Yeah, he's yeah. me.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, except I don't think you can snowboard.
3: I, except I can't snowboard. Right.
2: Right. Um, so.
1: That's so much about the Olympics, we you know that, that's the good and the bad, right? I mean, it's a lot of money that these countries spend. A lot of money. It, do they get anything for it? No. Really? No. No. I love. Well, so they get I, the world's attention, you know, the world's attention. But you know, look,
2: well, Chang like, or whatever we talk never heard about of about before, South Korea so she, doubled its budget, doubled its initial budget prediction. They're going to spend something like thirteen billion dollars. They want to turn it into a, the Asian Winter Sports Hub, but South Koreans don't really care about winter sports. The surveys beforehand were kind of unenthusiastic. And and also they tore down a sacred forest, in part of a sacred forest to build the ski slopes. They don't know where, they don't know how they're going to use any of the venues after the games. Uh, and this is a typical story. This isn't South Korea's fault. I mean, it Sochi was even worse. Sochi was worse, right? Um, I mean. You know, you go to the summer games are even worse because they're more expensive and they're more destructive. Um, but, you know, it, it's typical. The the Olympics are bloated budgets and environmental destruction, and I wanted to ask now you're me, adding I, a, a potential geopolitical mess into this one. Right, and not much payoff, right? Not, and, no, the benefits are really small.
1: But I was, we were talking earlier before the show started, but like the one, one exception to that may be Squaw Valley. I mean, I just know it because we used to go skiing there in mm-hmm. California, right? I mean, it was the Winter Olympics, and it sort of, <laughs> Put Squaw Valley on yeah, the map. Yeah, I mean, you it's have... a great mountain, and it still is
2: a major uh, ski right. resort. Right. When California. you have the you have the aspects of like Salt Lake City, where they they basically moved the American Olympic program mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. Um, even though those Olympics were massively corrupt. Um, Mitt Romney until Mitt Romney came in and saved them. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, saved them to the extent you can save an Olympics. But, you know, for the most part, I mean, you know, they're going to tear... Like, South Korea is going to tear down their Olympic Stadium. Because? They don't have anything to use it for. (laughs) Wow. So they built a stadium that they're going to host the opening ceremonies for... And closing ceremonies for the Olympics and Paralympics, and then it's going to be gone.
3: I can't think of anything more unnecessary and
2: wasteful. Right, just for the ceremonies, right? Right. Yeah. Which, in the the opening ceremony didn't take place until like two and a half days into the Olympics. Mm-hmm. We could have just not done it. Right. <laughs> like, well, no one's going to miss the ceremony. I want to
3: ask you okay. about, uh, if I can, uh, the the difference between doing s- the Olympics in a place like uh, Pyeongchang or, or Sochi or a relatively, not unknown, but a lesser known sports hub, as opposed to like we saw London uh, or Rio where you've got an established city that sort of builds all these things for the Olympics. What happens to those cities afterwards? What happens to those? Places or why not afterwards?
1: go back to some of the ones that have done it like LA. LA.
2: Where they got well, yeah, it's so it's hard, right? So the, the winter games and the summer games are, are different beasts. Um, yeah. But if you look at Rio, uh, which yes, is an established city. Uh, they went way over budget. Their economy collapsed before the games, which hurt them even more. Um, they're not most of the venues are already obsolete they basically ruined one of the greatest sporting stadiums in the world, which is the Maracanã, the the national soccer stadium that they privatized and is now in a state of ruin because the private companies and the government don't have any money to maintain it uh and then the the other legacies of Rio are the security the the um you know, they failed to clean up Guanabara Bay, which was a huge supposed legacy of those games. Um, they're, they're, they've had a massive violence outbreak because they don't have money to pay cops. They're, the programs they put in place for security were bad from the start. Um, then you go to places like London where the stadium costs are still rising because they converted it into a soccer stadium for a Premier League club. Um London's one of London's major legacy items was affordable housing. They didn't accomplish that. Uh, Most of the housing has been luxury or uh, not affordable by Mm -hmm. the official definition. And the other legacy point for London was supposedly increasing sports participation for children and people in East London. That hasn't happened. Uh, Sports participation rates are basically the same. Every promise they make tends to be empty. Yeah. And the best way to look at the Olympics and the, the 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 Winter Olympics are less so on this but the Olympics are mostly a development scheme. They're a development and advertising scheme For the organizers, for the big companies, um, for big developers and governments they're a way to redo a city the way you want to to seize land mm-hmm. and you know put in pricey development in neighborhoods that weren't developed. Uh, for advertisers, be it coca-cola, NBC, whoever it's a chance to showcase your brand to the world right the sports the but, sports in the Olympics are while that's what you know all of us like to watch, those are mostly tangential to the actual point. They're just using them for yes, to make their they're thing. cover
1: all right, well, now i to go back to, you're the biggest grump about the Olympics uh, other than Mike Pence. Um, but <laughs> me and Mike Pence, <laughs> you and Mike Pence, but I want to go back to South, the th- one thing that struck me about uh, the South Korea is, is so they got, and, and there's a front page, I think New York times a piece this morning with that headline. So South Korea got the Olympics, but they didn't have enough Olympiads. So they ended up South Korea, like renting Olympiads, right? Uh, giving people citizenship. Yeah. They would join their teams. I mean, is that legit? They're yeah, not, but they're not. Go really for it. But that's not really South
2: Koreans then. Well, I mean, we do this in all sports. No. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. No, we do. Right. I mean, like basketball countries teams, too. we bring bring people in, and baseball from all over from other countries. But these are the Olympics. These are supposed to be this country's best athletes competing against the best athletes of other countries. I mean, when you have a rent-a-cop, to me, it's on not the list the real of thing. problems at, uh,
2: with the Olympics. I can't get really concerned about that.
3: So you have established how corrupt and and not good the Olympics I'm are. Sorry. I'm sorry.
2: I'm I'm sorry. I'm
1: just not going to take it that easily. No, <laughs> if we have a U.S. team, I don't want somebody from Kazakhstan on the U.S. team. What if he's American? What if he gets American citizenship? If if we gave him American citizenship in order to get him on the team, no, hell no. Where's Donald Trump when we need him, right? Wow. Wow. Oh. Never heard
2: before on the Bill Press show.
1: No, I'm saying <laughs> if they were born in America or if they came here as an immigrant, fine. But if we went out there and just were recruiting and hustling people and paying them to come from other countries to play on our team, I think that's cheating.
2: I can't get worked up about it. You're corrupt. Um, <laughs> not as corrupt as everyone else in the Olympics, though. <laughs> <perhaps> so. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: Uh, so, all right. That's there's that about South Korea it bothers me. It doesn't bother you. But the other thing I have to say is and I, I I do mean the the guy that just threw a back black cloud over the Olympics was Mike Pence. I mean, first of all, he sits down during the when these when the two Korean teams walked in, mm-hmm.
2: right? Is it well? That's the equivalent of taking a knee, isn't it? Well, that's the funny part to me is like. He showed up at an NFL game earlier this year to protest the guys who were protesting by standing for the anthem. And then he sits down, you know, regardless of the substance of what you believe, whether he should have or not, it's almost like a protest. It is. No, it is. There's no
3: other way to take it. I mean, it was very clear the reason he was there was purely to protest the situation.
1: Right. And then the silliest thing of all, the sister of the president of North Korea is sitting in back of him. And he won't shake our hand. He won't turn around and shake our hand. I mean, give me a break, you know. So I mean, it, to me, the uh, 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 the most positive thing about this, these Olympics was the fact that South Korea and North Korea did come together. They marched together. They marched under one flag. They're competing as as one country's team, which I, I think we should all be applauding and saying— Oh my God, this is a real opening. Maybe sports can be the bridge to talks about other issues, right? Transportation, trade issues, diploma you know,
2: Yeah, I mean I think that's the major that's the major question about this Olympics, right? Is is what the what the diplomatic legacy of it was. Yeah, will the be. geopolitical um, aspect of it. Especially, yeah. you know, the fact that North Korea was open to it and you know, I think there's a legit question of whether North Korea is using this to Um, By the way, they are. Right. But brilliantly, I think. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I I had a moment yesterday where I saw everybody being like, you know, there were several columns talking about uh, North Korea is just using this for political cover. And like, regardless, again, regardless of how you feel about that, that's not new. Every every country, autocratic or democratic, has used the Olympics to advance its political or social agenda. Yes. Um, Yes. So from my point of view, the interesting thing is that people are starting to notice that. That people do this, and you know, I, I'm not an expert on North Korea, South Korea issues, uh, but I think it's no, that's definitely the thing to watch coming out of these games is how it affects the relationship between North Korea and South Korea, and North Korea and the United States.
1: Uh, okay, so the Olympics are going to be in South Korea, and Kim Jong Un has a choice, right? He either sends his people down to make a deal, and they, and they. I mean, they basically agreed to do whatever South Korea wanted them to do, which was join our team, march with us under one flag, bring your people down here, kind of the whole thing. You prefer that, or he could have just shot off a couple of missiles, you know, and totally d- distracted and scared the hell out of people during the games, right? Uh, yes. So, which you prefer? And then,
2: so, yeah. I generally prefer uh, fewer missiles. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, yeah,
3: I, so I'm I. a fan of that as well. Yes, I I to go as a record. general so, overarching yeah, so position, yes, he
1: used the the Olympics to uh, to help his image and the image mm-hmm. of North Korea. But good for him in this case. Better. And I think we look like the party who uh, is just the skunk at the lawn party. You know, just doesn't want to doesn't want to accept that, right? Yeah. And again, and I mean, the... such a gesture. Again, I could come back if Mike Pence had just said. Hi, how are you? Mm-hmm. That's that's who we are as Americans. I mean, Donald Trump shakes hands with everybody, right? Why wouldn't Mike Pence? You know why? Because he was afraid that Donald Trump wouldn't like it. Possibly. Or that
3: mother wouldn't like it. <laughs> that's a very fair point. I think, I think you are right, though. I think that if he had... You can say, don't you shake her hand. <laughs> I could just don't see... Don't shake her hand. I could see Donald Trump <laughs> losing his mind if there was a picture mm. of Mike Pence <laughs> shaking hands with her or standing for the Koreans. And I, and I could see him completely throwing his vice president, his mm. hypothetically second in command, uh, completely under the bus. And to make it worse, on the way back. Yeah, yeah.
1: On Air Force Two... Mike Pence told reporters, "Big announcement: The United States is ready and willing to talk to North Korea."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, hell, he had a chance. <laughs> <laughs> he was right there. He was right there. Just right sitting right there.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. hopefully this will hopefully this will lead to something besides our "we're going to bloody their nose" policy. Well, that one would hope. The, I mean, we've never heard
3: Donald Trump say that he wants to talk to uh, right. North Korea. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that no. he's going to appreciate uh, Mike Pence jumping the shark on that.
1: No, but we did say, have Donald Trump say that the reason North Korea and South Korea were able to talk was because he, because of, of all of his oh, blasts yeah. and attacks, talking about he has a bigger button than and Kim Jong-un right. does, all of that. That's what led to these talks. Yeah, well, he'll take credit for anything. Uh, uh, find a button up on the Olympics, Peter. What are the what's these uh medal count? Do you have that?
3: Uh as of this morning, the Americans have two gold medals. We Uh yeah, we. The, in the United States we have uh two gold medals, <laughs> one silver and uh one bronze. So, the two... Silver
2: was in luge, right? In We've yeah, never this... done that before. I watched
3: that yesterday.
2: That's first scary, of all, man.
3: The luge is horrifying to watch. Did
2: you see the guy that lost his visor and still went like still finished the No, thing?
3: I didn't see that.
2: Yeah, man.
3: They're going 80 over eighty miles per right. hour,
2: yeah, the, the on winter,
3: essentially like a skateboard. The
2: crazy thing about the Winter Olympus is it's just a whole bunch of stuff I would never even attempt, and <laughs> no then way. curling. No way. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. curling is my kind of sport. With the broom. Yeah. yeah I, gotta, just I, like, I always like the broom. Yeah. What
3: athletes? What finely honed athletes? Just we, we watched some of the the ski jump over the weekend as well, and uh, one of my kids was watching it, and he just says. Can you imagine the first time you go off of that?
1: Yeah, right. Like at
3: some point, you're going to have the very first time that you go down one of those giant ski hills and go flying Flying, through the air, air. right? again, in defiance of God's will.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And how do you do that? How do you find There was a quote from one of the women's snowboarders last night about... uh, she was like, I don't really believe in God, but I got caught by a wind gust when I was 50 feet up in the air. And I started started praying like, please just bring me down softly. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> it's like, I couldn't imagine just like there's the ones where they're in the middle of a flip and then their arms start flailing. And it's like, no, see, I don't I don't I
3: would get religious. Also, real the, quick. The,
2: I watched the cross country skiing yesterday <laughs> and I can't think of something more just terrible <laughs> of like why would you subject yourself to that they're skiing they skied 18 miles
1: but, but cross-country skiing is great fun I, yeah I not not a lot not, of it. not
3: competitively i mean they're, no. they're skiing up yeah, a hill uphill yeah. and in the wind yeah. And
2: I'm like no, in 18 miles, they're like a- after like 15 minutes, I'm dead tired watching them, and the guys like they still have an hour to go, and okay. I was like, oh, all right. I want to talk
1: about a different sport you've been talk- you've been you've been covering. I understand. Uh, we're not sure we can uh, give the full flavor of it here. I know we can't not give the full flavor of it here on the air. About uh, a certain graphic artist here in Washington D.C. <laughs> oh yes, who is covering the city with yes,
2: uh, uh... F Trump. Correct. F-Trump uh, Graphics? He was. Uh is. Oh, he was. Is, he is? As far as I know. Uh, hasn't I saw up. some new ones on U Street this week, so I assume he is. Uh, how'd you find him, and how does he get away with it? He hasn't been arrested? Not that I know of. As of the time we talked last month, he uh-huh. hadn't been. Um, Hero. He Hero gets away with it. As as I mean, I think he does it mostly on like temporary structures. Mm-hmm. So. Using um, spray I think paint? Most, mostly just a Sharpie. Oh. So. But it was cool. It was kind of, you know. Did you go out with him? I did once. Nice. Uh, The city has kind of a, you know, D.C. kind of has a tradition of graffiti and street art. And Mm -hmm. I think it fits into that. And, you know, people were asking me on Twitter and stuff afterward, like, why did you find this guy? And it was like, well, it was one of those things of, you know, if you walk around the city, you see it everywhere. Well, how'd you
1: track him down? On the Internet. Really? So (laughs) he's got a site? I mean, or... Hmm? good for him. I'm surprised he's it wasn't still... that
2: hard. It actually wasn't that really?
1: hard. Yeah. It was it was I'm surprised he's still at loose.
2: Yeah, I mean, at yeah. you know, in the in the grand scheme of crimes committed in Washington D.C. against mm-hmm. all sorts of people. Also
3: right. where most of the most of the citizens of Washington D.C. Agree with right, sentiments. right. I think that's right. the
2: other thing is no one's really clamoring for these to be people right. are
1: probably getting in touch with them saying, Please come to my block, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Can you go
3: beautify my neighborhood?
1: Okay, and you're going to Brazil tomorrow? I am this uh, week for uh, talk about Olympics.
2: This is the uh, yeah, aftermath of the Olympics. Going to look into some aftermath things. And as I told you before we came on air, the Olympics don't ever stop once a mm-hmm. city hosts them, it deals with them for a long time sure and we yep. have a tendency I think to stop paying attention to what happens in a certain city host cities as soon as they're over and or if not as soon as shortly thereafter and so it'll be we're coming up on two years mm-hmm. and go down and look at some things and see how they're doing
1: all right well we'll look forward to talking about that when you get back okay yep. uh, Travis Waldron at Huffpost of course it is huffpost.com and that sort of wraps it up for us on this Monday. Uh, February twelfth. The rest of the day is yours. Uh, Don't forget, order your Valentine's present for yourself or someone you love, a copy of my new book, From the Left, Life in the Crossfire. You go to our website, BillPressShow.com. Follow the click and get your assigned copy. Order it in advance. Have a great Monday, folks. Come back uh, tomorrow right here. We'll be looking for you and waiting for you. See you then. is the Bill Press Show.